So uh, let's go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 8. We just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for joining us uh, online or even in the archives later. But uh, we just welcome you and thank you for being here. And let's turn to Romans chapter 8 and we'll just sit there for a second. And in the uh, two parts of life, uh, let's put that graphic up there and we want to just look at that. So in the two parts of life here, you see that part one is God loving on us, right? Part two is us loving on God. Now what we want to do is we want to make sure this is just it. Every action in our life, everything, should either be part one or part two. This is where life is. So every action needs to be in God's love towards us or our love towards God. Every action, everything. So that makes it very interesting because now that means that we have a focus. We either need to be in actively receiving from God's love or we need to be actively giving God's love. And if there's any action that's outside of the two parts of life, as Christians, as believers, we don't have any business doing it. None. Amen? Amen. Man, doesn't that clarify some stuff? Doesn't that all of a sudden weed out a whole bunch of actions that caused you a bunch of trouble in early life? And me too. Man, wouldn't that have made some things simple? But now does the flesh desire to stay in the two parts of life? No, no. The flesh wants to get outside of that all the time. And that's how we get into trouble because we're listening to what our flesh wants to do. Starting at a young age as kids, we want to do everything that's fun to us or we want to eat all the stuff that's you know, tastes good. And, and yet that's our flesh and it doesn't have anything necessarily to do with part one or part two. God loving on us or us loving on God. And then if that's not discipline then by our parents and we're not, we don't learn how to discipline our flesh, disciple our flesh and put our flesh down, then we learn how to live a life completely outside of God's life completely outside of a full life. Every action that we have should be in the two parts of life, either God loving on us, receiving that, or us loving on God, empowered by His love. So I want to look at this, and let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. It says in verse 5, For those who are according to the flesh, so the people that are according to the flesh. Now the flesh is always warring against the spirit. But in order to live a life according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. So as if they're setting their mind, in other words, their mind is made up. It is set on things of the flesh. It, we're allowing our minds and our, our thoughts to set themselves on things of the flesh, right? And when, when we set our minds on things of the flesh, what is the fruit 
of a mind set on the flesh. It's a life according to the flesh. Do we want a life according to the flesh? Man, I don't. I have learned that a life according to the flesh stinks. But one set on the spirit is awesome. So those, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. So that right there tells us right from the get-go, one of the things that we need to do is make sure that we change our mindset. We change the things that we're thinking on. Right now I've been, I've been meditating on this for a while. I want to do a series uh, called Inception. If you've seen the movie, you know what that movie's about. It's about planning thoughts, right? And it's one of my favorite movies. But here's the thing. The devil plants thoughts in people all the time and because their mind is not set on the spirit, on the things of God, their mind is not in the two parts of life, those thoughts bring up fruit in their life and then they live out a life according to the flesh. It's always in lack, it's always hurt, and it's always missing the boat. And we are not supposed to be those people. We're supposed to be the people that are living full and in increase and in abundance. Why? So that we can do every good work so that God might be glorified. This is the plan that God has. But a lot of times we're not experiencing the abundance and the increase in every area of our life because it goes back to our mind is not set on the spirit, it's set on the flesh. All right? So let's go on because that produces results. A mind set is going to be what the life is going to be according to. Whatever the mind is set on, the life is going to reflect that. And then it says this, that the mind, uh, verse 6, the mind set on the flesh is death. In case you were wondering, God made it very clear that if we have a mind and the wrong thoughts, we're allowing the wrong thoughts to take place, is death. You know, yikes. But we shouldn't be afraid of that. We should just change it. That's all it takes. Just change it. Just change your habits. Change the mindset. Change what you think on. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Which one would you like? Life and peace or death? And in case you were wondering, you can go back to Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, and it says, choose life. God says, hey, in case you were wondering, choose life. Verse 6, or 7, excuse me. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile towards God. Now let me ask you a question. Do we love God? We do? If we love God and a mindset on flesh, on the flesh, and on fleshly things is hostile towards God, if we love God, should we keep a mindset on the flesh? Don't answer this next question. <laughs> but how many of us have not loved on God in our mind? And we've entertained all kinds of fleshly things even while we said we love God. And so we've gone through life because we've been taught that some of those things are just normal to think on. Everybody else thinks on that kind of stuff. Everybody else does that and everything. And yet here we are completely outside of the two parts of life, outside of life in abundance, outside of loving on God because everybody else says it's normal. 
what would we call that? If, in other words, would that be like hot or cold towards God? Cold. That would be cold towards God. So you can have a whole bunch of heat for the Lord. But if you're constantly doing that and you're mixing your heat and mindset on the flesh, which is cold, are you hot, cold, or lukewarm? And what is the worst according to God? So should we see this as an option? Uh, negative. Amen. All right. So the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. Anybody ever been having trouble following the law of God? Anybody besides me ever had trouble keeping up with some of the godly things I should be doing? A lot of times this has been the problem. We've allowed our thoughts to reign and be set in an area that we had no business having our thoughts set and then we're trying to uphold the law of God and we're not even able to do so because our mind has not been policed. You see? Kind of strong. I'm not trying to step on any toes but I'm stepping on my own too. Verse 8. And those who are in the flesh man cannot please God. Cannot please God. This is not where we want to be. In other words, we got to take the things that we think about and where we're operating from pretty serious. Because if we just kind of lackadaisically, you know, move through life and we're not giving it any esteem or being intentional about what we think about, devil's going to eat our lunch and you know what I can tell you as a witness I have watched this for eight years almost eight years as a pastor but even before that ministering I've watched this exact thing eat people's lunch up down and sideways and and you know I used to do the same thing and I still every now and then I catch myself but we need to be more intentional about being on you know being very on purpose having a mindset on the spirit Verse 9, however, all right, is it good? You, we've been kind of eating everybody's lunch for a little bit. You ready for a little bit of a break? All right, so verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. This is not you. You don't live here anymore. You may have lived here up until the second I started preaching this message, but you do not live here anymore. And say that, say, I don't live in the flesh anymore. That is not me. <laughs> not me anymore. Amen. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So I want you to see, somebody who doesn't control their mind, one of the things they need to do is go and check and see if the Spirit of God's living in them actually or they're just playing games. Because there's a whole bunch of people in church that say they love God and they're there every Sunday, every Wednesday, every time the doors are open. And they are not born again. They're not. And we need to check ourselves. We need to be serious about this and say, because here's why. If I truly love God and I have received Christ as my Savior, there will be fruit. The Holy Spirit is a stamp 
in my life, the spirit inside of me should be connected to that Holy Spirit. And it's going to be pressing those thoughts up to my mind, out of my spirit. It, the Holy Spirit's going to be pressing godly thoughts, spiritual thoughts, up to my mind. So that means if he's in me and he's pressing those thoughts up and I'm still thinking on fleshly things, I'm doing one of two things. Either I'm not, I don't have him in the first place or I do have him and I'm pushing him back down. And in my mind, I'm losing the battle. And if I'm taking what God's given me out of my spirit and I'm pushing it back down, is this humility or pride? Pride puts you in opposition to God. Humility puts you uh, in line with God and brings you grace and greater, greater grace. So these are, can you see where this can be a huge, huge problem? And if we're thinking and our mind is set in the flesh, then we're not even close to walking out what God has for us, the fullness of it. You see, and we're definitely not in the two parts of life where God desires to bless us and overflow us. So this is very, very important. So this, I want you to notice something. Let me ask you this question. What is the Holy Spirit always, always motivated by? Every time, ma'am. Love, that's right. So the Holy Spirit is always in one of the two parts of life in every situation. He's always operating in either getting God's love to you or helping you, empower you to give God's love back to Him. He's always in that. So see, if we want to know what's the difference between are we operating in a mind set on the flesh or a mind set on the Spirit, all we got to do is ask the question, is this love? Is this love? All right. Let's, let's look at a couple of things. This is uh, going to be a uh, timeline here. Okay. All right. Here's the timeline of our life, but right now we're going to talk about the Israelites, and uh, we're going to make these marks here, alright, this is kind of a scale. Now, on top of this timeline, as life goes on, anything above this line, it is good. And anything below this timeline, y'all want to take a guess, it is bad, good. And the higher you get on this timeline, this is specifically for all the English teachers out there. It is gooder. The higher you go, it is gooder. And the lower you go, it is worser. worser. Yes. <laughs> Love you, Barrett. <laughs> so, all right. Now watch. You remember the Israelites, right? Okay. The Israelites, they come out of Egypt. Awesome. They, there's not a sick one among them. They just they took gold and jewelry. They left bondage. It was awesome. The Red Sea split. <laughs> it was great. And then they got to the other side of that, and they started making golden calves, and God told them to go into 
uh, you know, the promised land, and it just did not, it got worser, right? <laughs> not gooder, worser. Amen. Everybody with me? Good. Now, what's interesting is that right here, everything was awesome. They came out of Egypt, and they did great. Now, even when they moved into the promised land, right, the Israelites finally down here in the desert, a lot of them had to uh, die off so that they could enter the promised land, right? And then once they did that, what happened? Joshua and Caleb, they took them back into Gooder, into the promised land. And then all of a sudden, right, they, and we'll just, we're going to, summarize here but basically they did this after that okay now yep so what happens is I want you to see something when we get over into here once they enter the promised land they what caused them to rise to this peak what caused them to rise humility towards God from coming out of the desert Coming into the promised land, they, they listened, they were obedient. They were going after God. They were going after God. And they, they turned their heart towards God and their direction towards God. What happened to their life? Gooder, right? Amen. And then they got on top. And I mean, they were something else. And all of a sudden, what, what happened when they were on top? Pride came in, they started not going after God, and they left the thing that caused it to get gooder. Amen? And they started doing the thing that caused it to be worser. All right? I'm, I'm going to press this all night long, just so you know. Y'all just follow with me. And they kept on doing this, and then when they got down here to the bottom and they were getting their, their tails beat, right, all of a sudden, what would they say? We need God! We need God. And so they humbled themselves and they went back up. They got back to the top. We don't need God anymore. And their decision started to be based off of their position. Their decision started to be based off of their physical location. We're blessed. And now... We don't need, we're already blessed. We don't necessarily need more blessings, so we'll just do what we want. So they set their mind based off of their blessing or based off of their position. When they were at the bottom, they set their mind based off of position. We don't have any place to go but up. I need God. I need His help. Right? So I want you to see that every time... Uh, the blessings, so to speak, every time it got gooder or worser, that's what caused them to make a decision. Every time they were blessed, their decisions were based off of their blessing. Every time it was bad, their decisions were based off of their position and how bad it was. This is the question that we need to look at. Why? Why do we do what we do? Because, watch this, 
You can nod your head after I get done with this and tell me if you we have not seen this happen. People hit bottom in their life. People hit bottom. And then all of a sudden, they say, I need God. There's nothing else out there. I don't know what's going to solve this problem. They boiled down. They've done everything else but God. They finally get to the least common denominator in their thinking that is God, the one, and so they turn towards God, and a lot of times at that point, that's when they walk in the door and they come to church because they need an answer and they don't know where to find it anywhere else. How many of us have done that? You don't have to raise your hand, but it's probably all of us at some point. Then they'll come in. They start going and heading after God, following his commands, having their minds set on the spirit. What's going to happen to their life? It's going to be life and peace. And then they get up here, and all of a sudden they're blessed. They now have a job. They now have promotion. Things are going well. And all of a sudden, they don't need church anymore. They don't need the things of God anymore. And so they kind of put God to the side and, and what happens to their life. Worser, how many times have you seen that happen? Has that not been how, how we have multiplied testimonies of what we've seen a lot? Happens all the time in this age that we're in. Here's the question What are they making the decision on? They're making the decision based off of their location, either good or bad. Their why, their reason for doing things is if everything's going good, then I can go do what I want. If everything's going bad, i got to turn towards God because I don't have any other thing. Here's the question, though. See, Matthew 6.33 says, Seek him first, his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what happened when they were on the uptick here what caused their life to go better they were seeking God they were making him a priority their mind was set on the spirit what happened to cause them to go down their mind their actions their thinking was set on things other than God their why was not part one or part two their why was things outside of that because part one and part two is loving on God or not. And when your why is not loving on God, then you'll make decisions basically based on position. So here's, here's what happens. What happens when, uh, let's, let's say this, what happens when we get into a situation and uh, man, I need a job, I need a car, I need a this, I need a that. And you know a little something about God, you're like, i got to go after him, i got to get in church. All of a sudden, your life starts to come up. You get the job, get the car, get the provision that you need. What was the why there that caused you to seek God? See, it's mercy that allows this to work. But the why was what I needed in my life. That was the why. 
And so all of a sudden you get to the top where you've got the provision that you need. Maybe you're healed, maybe you're restored, maybe you have the job, maybe you have the car. All of a sudden your why changed because you have all those things. So in other words, we made a decision based off of what we need, based off of physical things or a physical in this world position, and that is a mind that's set on the flesh, and it always, always, always leads to death. But what happens if we take this, and no matter where we're at, what if we just kept seeking God? See, this is what we're missing, and this is the deception. If we would just keep seeking God, we'd go like that. We keep setting our own limits by being satisfied and content when we have the things that our why was after. But if we would learn to be content with the life and life in abundance of God and we would say, I'm just going to go after him with everything I have. I'm all in. I'm, I'm going after him. All of a sudden, our why would remain Jesus and loving on God the whole time. And we, once we got those things, we would not stop. Our why would remain the same. See, this is why most people's lives are unstable is because their why is wrong. They're not staying in the two parts of life. They don't have a mindset on that. They have a mindset on what am I lacking and what gaps in my life do I need to fill in, and that's their why. Sometimes it's education. Sometimes it's I just want to be comfortable. Sometimes it's I want the toys. Sometimes it's I want the, the time or whatever, you know. And our why is not, Lord, I love you. And so all of a sudden, our why is pushed all over the place and the devil just treats us like a puppet because he just, you know, everything in this world is temporal and all he's doing is he's taking away anything he can and he continuously causes your why to be a fill in the blank and he just keeps filling in the blank and we just keep moving as a puppet. Can you see that? All right, let's look at... 2 Corinthians 3, or 10, 3. Now watch this before we jump in there. What if we put here not position in life, but what if we put in here emotions? High emotions, we have one output. Oh, we're getting our tail beat. All of a sudden, we have another out, output. And we're completely moved on the scale of whether or not we're operating and living in bad. See, we're not to be led by our emotions. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. And where is the Spirit of God always resides? In love. In either part one or part two. This is the way to bring stability into our lives and to take it to the place where we are operating in great, great things. Let's look at this real quick. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. 10, 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction 
of fortresses. In other words, what's he telling us? What he's about to say following these verses, he's telling you how to wage war against the devil and all his junk and the people around you and wage war in their lives to help them beat them down too. What he's about to say, he's showing you how to win this battle without having to do everything in the flesh. Because here's the thing, you might not be prepared in the flesh. You might not have all the resources. You might not have all the wisdom. You might not have everything you need in the flesh to beat him back otherwise. But as soon as you accept Christ, I don't care who you are, you have everything in your spirit to win. And that's the, that's the battlefield. That's where we fight. That's where we win is in the spirit not in the flesh. So we've got to make sure that we put on spiritual things and stop fighting the fight in the flesh. Which way, when we make our why according to a scale of position or emotions, is this fighting the battle in the flesh or in the spirit? In the flesh. And every time, we're going to get whipped. Every time. Because we're fighting it on the, on the wrong battlefield. We must fight this in the spirit where the spirit has control. And if you are in him, you can win every time. And he says this, he goes on to say, We are destroying, here's how we fight in the spirit. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Taking every thought captive. Now what does that mean? Now I want you to, we'll read this, but what does that mean when we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ? What's the obedience of Christ? I'll give you two ways to make it real simple in general. The obedience of Christ is this. Every promise, every good and perfect promise He's ever given you in this word if, it, if you're going through a situation and it is not fulfilling the promise of God, that thing is a lofty thing raised up against the knowledge and the obedience of what Christ came and died and paid for. And it is there illegally for you as a Christian. It has no right to be there and you need to wage war against it in the spirit. In other words, you don't just let a bad news take place, in, take a setting and sit down in your brain and you can't get over it. You go into your brain and you say, uh-uh, that is not going to stay there. I'm going to bring it to the obedience of Christ. If I'm experiencing lack in my finances, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to say that he has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. God is my Jehovah Jireh. He is my provider and he will provide for me. Above all things, he wants me blessed and prosperous as my soul prospers. And in health, if it's it's in health, you can go into those scriptures. By his stripes I am healed. He restores the sick in Jesus' name. It's who he is. In other words, everything, you can boil it down to this. What is obedience to Christ? It's love. It's every piece of God's love towards you and every piece of God's love that you should have towards somebody else. So if some, you know, the devil comes here to Mr. Howard and he starts whispering in his brain and telling him how much he should not like J.D. You know, I don't know. I don't know about him. And all of a sudden, well, here's the question. 
Is that the Holy Spirit saying that about him? No. Is that love? Is that thought loving on God? No. That's a fleshly thought, and your job as a believer is to grab a hold of that and say, by golly, I ain't listening to that mess. I'm not even going to dwell on it. I'm not even going to think on it again. That's my brother, and I don't care if he is something that I shouldn't even like. It doesn't matter. I'm going to love on him anyway because that's what love does because love is my why. And now I'm not moved by what he does or she does or anybody else does. I'm only moved by one thing, and that's the love of God. Amen. That's a mindset on the Spirit. Amen? It goes on to say this. <clears throat> and we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. In other words, what we're ready to do is put the devil and all his thoughts in its place. We're going to, matter of fact, devil, just because you want to throw me that idea, I'm going to go so hard after God, my why is going to be his love so strong, you're going to regret the day you gave me that thought. Take that. Then, verse 7, says, you, you are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone is confident in himself, that he is Christ. Let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. What is love? What is of the Spirit? What is love? What is of the Spirit? What are the things we set our mind on and we don't, if anything falls outside of this list, we, we take that thought captive, we bring it into obedience. This is love. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. If it's not rejoicing, it ain't love. That's of the flesh and that's death. And it doesn't please God. If it ain't rejoicing, verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. That's a gentleness in God. Verse 6, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Take care for no reason. Don't get, take that care on yourself. Don't be anxious for something. Don't worry. Anxious, worry, taking the care, none of that is love. Why? Because God's let us know that that's not what love is. Perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love cast out all fear. If I have the, that's why I tell people, learn the emotion of fear. Because if I can learn the emotion of fear, then all of a sudden I start to recognize every place love isn't and I need to not be in that place. Now I can set my thoughts correctly. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. That's love. That's a love in place. You don't have peace. That's a symptom that there's some area in your thoughts that is not in love. It's not in the two parts of life. And that means that you are opening the door to step outside of life. So you need to search yourself, humble yourself, and find where is this confusion coming from? Where is this lack of peace? Which surpasses all, this peace of God which surpasses all comprehension. And it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See, this peace 
This is a piece of God and a guarding. That's the love of God. That's part one. I need to see that he wants to guard my heart. He wants to guard my mind through his peace. If I'm not having peace and I'm not feeling guarded, then somewhere I'm not receiving his love in that area. I'm not operating in the two parts of life. Finally, brethren, here's a list of love. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, whatever is of good repute, or that's of a good report. If there's any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Think on these things, the King James says. Worthy of praise. Now, I'm not talking about, man, you know, I'm not just saying, uh, oh, J.D., you got a new car. Man, that thing is so nice. It's beautiful. Now, that might be worthy of praise to the world, but this is not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is I need to not just be thinking on the fact that it's beautiful and now you have it in your possession. I need to be thinking on what is worthy of praise to God. In other words, that was God that gave you that. That was God that gave you that thing. He gets that praise. That's where love is. Love is not just in what you receive. It's in, are you giving glory to God back? Am I dwelling on things that are worthy of praise? This is a mindset on the Spirit, and the Spirit's mind is always set on love. Amen? Amen. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Amen? So right now, I just want you to pray this with me. Just say, Father... I have seen areas where the world has directed my why, has directed my thoughts, and the flesh has turned me in wrong directions, and that is now over. I am not going back to it. My love for God is my why. Love is my thoughts, and you are my peace and strength. I have a mindset on the Holy Spirit, and that is my life and life in abundance from this day forward. Amen. Amen. Now, if anything comes up to you in your mind and it's not the promises of God or it's not you loving on other people, <laughs> if you have something coming up and it is not the love of God loving on other people or it is not the love of God loving on you, and it's a thought that shouldn't even be in your mind, you take that thought captive, you cast it down, and you bring it into obedience with the promise and the love of God, either receiving from Him or giving it to Him, which might mean giving it to other people. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's it. Have a great night. Thank you for being here. <laughs>